welcome to Theology Thursday, an ecumenical space for students to discuss matters of faith and theology. I'm your host, Connor Grubbs. I am your co-host, Ryan Mock. And I'm your co-co-host, Johnny Grubbs. Well, we're back for another week of Theology Thursday, and for once, we all have our subpoints ready. What? This is incredible. Uh, these better be even good Johnny. Points. You know, well, Johnny kind of cheated though, because he sort of had a two-part subpoint. Well, I picked a is, story a that I knew was going to have more yeah. to it. There's so there's a follow-up here. So let's start with that one. We, you know, we were left on a cliffhanger yeah, last give, give, week. Give a very brief recap. Right, right, right. And then tell us what happened. So basically, there's a waitress in Texas. She's just doing her thing. Looks at her uh, ticket. You know, after everything's done. And the dude wanted to be generous and left a $2,000 tip. Well, the, the restaurant was like, well, we can only process 500 of that. And we can't, like, separate it out. We, couldn't, we can't just do four transactions of 500 or anything like that. Like, it has to be 500 or less or the machine won't process it. And they gave her nothing. Okay. That was the where we left off. And she was upset and people on social media. We were sitting on the edge of our seats right. ready for mm-hmm. the reveal two days later i'm reading and the restaurant's trying to defend itself saying we try to process it multiple times we try to do a partial processing we believe that there's credit card fraud involved we try contacting the person we can't get in touch with them and so they started to defend themselves and like coming out of the woodwork like we're trying here we're doing the best that we can mm-hmm. well a few days later they still can't process the transaction. They still can't find the guy. And the general manager of the restaurant says, we'll take the hit. We're going to give you a $2,000 Christmas bonus. What? Wow. Out of our operating budget. Wow. So, because wow. uh, they understood her disappointment. And, of course, now it's on the media, right? So they, they get some <laughs> good publicity as well. And um, Sure, but does, so does this mean there's some sketchy stuff going on with the guy who tried to tip her? Yeah. Potentially, yes. That's what the restaurant is claiming, right? Um, don't know if maybe the card was blocked. I mean, that is kind of a weird thing. I could imagine that the card could be blocked, and now they just can't reach him. Yeah, you know, that's well, possible. especially yeah, I mean, that's on a credit card. That's right. That's but if this is all over the media, I would think that if I was a guy and I heard about this, I'd be like, "Whoa!" Bit, I'd be, I would try and like resolve the situation. situation. Right. Yeah. So until he comes out to rescue himself, which who knows? Maybe this will be a three-parter. Uh, unless he comes out to rectify himself. Um, you know, they're just casting doubt on him and, and the whole thing. So here's what I'm curious about. I mean, if if this was a sham or, or something sketchy going on on his part, why? What what does he have to gain? I mean, was was this a bad credit card or was it like was it just a sick joke to, to give hope to this woman for no reason? I mean, what what was his intention? The only you know? the only thing I can think of is, is that I mean honestly it's like it's just a sick prank like hee hee. But I don't even think it's that. I really don't. I agree with you that maybe he would come out of the woodwork. I think I still think he will. I I don't know. Maybe I'm an optimist, but I just feel like I don't feel like he was intentionally trying to do anything wrong. Yeah, because I mean there wasn't there's not really much for him to gain out of that. Yeah, exactly. You know? I don't know. I think I'm more pessimistic in this story. But why, I think, what would he, why would he do that? What's the motivation? A just, sick prank? Yeah, I think I think maybe maybe it's just his prank. A really, yeah, dumb prank. 
Okay, well, that's a possibility. I guess, you know, maybe we'll find out. Right, but, we're just speculating now as to what the actual case is. If you're out there, tip man, come forward. We want to interview you on I'm the, the podcast. <laughs> Ryan, do you want to go next or you want to save your sub point for last? And I'll go next uh, because I'm sure your sub point is great. Save best for last, right? <laughs> I don't know about that, but... I'll, is it about you, the Pope you, you, again? It's not about the Pope okay, this week. Okay, it's kind of open for a Pope sub-point. So anyways, uh, maybe my sub-point's really maybe about the Pope of uh, Hillsong. The Pope of Hillsong? The Pope of Hillsong. So a guy by the name of Carl Lentz. <gasps> uh, Wait, he... isn't that the guy who started uh, communism? <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Carl. Wow, very funny joke, Connor. <laughs> Yeah. So Carl Lentz is the, uh, or he now he he was the lead pastor of Hillsong East Coast, uh, which I I think Hillsong, uh, at least the East Coast Church is in New York. Yeah, he he was the New York City campus. Yeah, yeah. And so he was the lead pastor. He got fired by the founder of Hillsong uh, for. for for hoopla, he got fired for there was there was there was scandal there was there was controversy. Uh, it actually uh, turned out that he was having an affair. So that's that's whack, and it's it's uh just it's disappointing when we hear about stuff like this in the evangelical world. Uh, and this this pastor uh, he he he's pretty famous with a lot of celebrities. Uh, he was Justin Bieber's pastor, uh, uh, and he had a large following. Uh, and then he he does dumb things like this, uh, so he's been fired. Uh, and actually, uh, the New York Times actually did an investigation into the church to see like you know what's what's going on at the old Hillsong Church, uh, and uh, they released an article about their findings. And a lot of the stuff I didn't I only read snippets of the article uh from from uh the new york times but some of the things was like really discouraging to read and i'll I'll give you i'll give you an example uh this is this is uh talking about them watching uh hillsong uh a service when lentz did appear on sundays he rarely mixed with churchgoers on sundays a team of congregants working as volunteers prevented anyone without the right badge from wandering backstage, and only a few had clearance to enter the green room, stocked with a lavish catering spread and changes of clothes to fit Mr. Lent's increasingly particular tastes. The church seemed to go out of its way to cultivate a hierarchy of coolness. A reserved seating section for VIPs appeared at the front of the church and then expanded to take up multiple rows. Miss Lagata, a former volunteer, said that when high-profile entertainers or sports stars would try to slip into the main seating area, con- content to worship with ordinary churchgoers, ushers were often instructed to guide them to the special section in front or to whisk them backstage to meet Mr. Lentz. The staff built this, cult- this culture and made them a big deal, Miss Legata said. A lot of us felt torn because it doesn't feel like something Jesus would do. Uh, so the the vibe we get from this is that uh, Carl Lentz had built up a, a, a culture of celebrity worship in his church with uh, a, a, like a backstage room uh, where the the leaders of the church separated themselves from the congregation. But we understand 
in church, that shouldn't be the case. There shouldn't be that hierarchy. The leaders of the church should be down there in the front lines with the congregants, not not to be not to put themselves on a pedestal. So it's very discouraging to hear about stuff like that in the evangelical world. Any thoughts? Yeah, you know, I, I've I've been to some churches that have green rooms. Yeah, I, I've done a lot of worship leading, and mm-hmm. uh, I, this has become an increasingly popular thing. And I just I, anything. Look, this uh, this separation of of the pastor from the peasants is a very damaging thing in church culture. Um, it's it's just I, I don't know. It's really wrong. I Hillsong has you know a myriad of, of issues they have some some great songs that have been released from their worship you know mm-hmm. and and it's but but yeah when you when you see stuff like this it's it's really unfortunate um you know not that um smaller church pastors of smaller local congregations can't have moral failings but i definitely think uh that the the mega church model is is problematic. I mean, uh, personally, I'm of the mindset that once a once a church gets to 300 people, it's time for them to plant a new church. But you know, that's just a hot take, and we could yeah. talk about that. And, and, and not exactly that number. That's an approximation. I mean, I'm not. You know, there's there's yeah. no biblical case for the exact number of 300. I just think, you know, once you start to grow beyond that, it's it's really hard for a pastor to know his congregation. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about somebody who intentionally didn't want to know his congregation and put safeguards against that happening. That's not a pastor. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that there is um, there is this uh, precedent to feed what you know, Sky Jatani has referred to as the evangelical industrial complex, right? Ooh. So here comes Carl Lentz, right? And obviously he brings a lot of people through the door then Carl Lentz starts to be a little diva-ish. Now, if that happened here, for example, in my home church, uh, there would be several amazing men who would say, Johnny, you're being an idiot. You know, like, <laughs> like, you're not allowed to do that. You know, I would be held accountable. Um, in this context, you have a lot of people saying, well, he feeds our bottom line. Mm-hmm. And he's bringing people through the door. Mm-hmm. So we need to, like, of course you can have the purple vest in the third service and the blue one in the first, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden you start to, he doesn't want to be with the people, and so they're like, okay, we'll have this special room, and we're going to cater more to select, you know what I mean? And so like, it's just, you start to isolate, 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 you're just setting that person up for moral failure. Yeah. Uh, on a small level, on a micro level of just, I'm kind of being a jerk, you know, and then moving up the line to you know, where he eventually ended up having an extramarital affair. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah. Yeah. But I have something that'll cheer you up. (laughs) So here's my sub point. There is a, there is a film. All right. It's a lifetime movie. Okay. Uh, that is coming out soon. And, uh, here's the thing, y'all. Have you, have y'all ever seen a lifetime movie? No, I purpose I purposely avoid those movies. You ever seen a Lifetime movie? No, I'm I you know, no. But but but, but y'all know that Lifetime movies have a certain reputation, right? Yes. Well, I, from my understanding, they're like Hallmark movies, but edgier. Yeah, they're, they're like an edgy Hallmark. Well, movie. So here's the thing: Lifetime actually started out as being true stories of them taking things about real crimes or different things that would happen, and um, 
they're like the anti-Hallmark movie. Like, they're cheesy, right. like, cheap TV movies, but they're about bad things. They're, like, negative. Yeah. And so, it, eventually, they ran out of true stories to make movies about, and they just started making stuff up. Yeah. And so, and it started to get really outlandish. Um, and they're kind of notorious just for being ridiculous. Well, this this new one that's coming out is called A Recipe for Seduction. Oh. Uh, and it stars Mario Lopez as a young Colonel Sanders. Oh, I saw, like, picture yeah. for that. Okay. And, and he is going to be... It's basically about this other chef that he's competing with that wants to kill him to get the recipe because he hasn't released it yet. And... Uh, something about like how he they're competing for this woman's love and affection and uh, it's completely made up. I mean, none of it's true. But, but it's, it's not a, Colonel Sanders. Yeah, but it's actually funded and sponsored by Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> what? Uh, to, to the point where you can actually get I forget what delivery services it is Grubhub, DoorDash, Uber Eats, one of those. You can actually get like a discount on KFC the night of. So you can have it delivered to your door while you watch it. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. A recipe for seduction. I don't know the date or the time or anything like that because I honestly, I saw it, I verified to make sure this was actually a real thing, and then I said I wish I didn't know about this because it's just, I... I <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. That, that's all I have to say about that. It's very, it's very odd, but uh, it's, when you're depressed about the, the state of the modern church... Just know you can go watch Mario Lopez as, as Colonel Sanders. And but, eat Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah, That's the important part. It, it might be a, a nice a nice form of escapism. So that's subpoints for today. Uh, I'm going to keep announcing it every week. Uh, next month, January... The... 21st. We're going to be having Theology Thursday 100, okay? So this is our 100th episode. And bah. you will, basically what we're asking you to do is buy a ticket. It's going to be at Maple Street in Seminole, Florida. You will get a, uh, a meal. You'll get a t-shirt. And when you're buying your ticket, it'll ask you to submit a theology question. We'll ask it that night. That whole Q&A portion will be recorded and released as our, live, our 100th episode. So first, we want to have a live audience. So it's $15, you get a meal, you get a t-shirt, yeah, and you get a question, yeah, and you get to see us. Yeah, so think about this. Okay, like, the meal would typically cost you about $14. Yeah. So you're getting the t-shirt and everything else for a dollar. Like, you're getting the t-shirt and the experience for a dollar. You pay $0.50 cents to see me, Connor, and Johnny, $14 for the meal, $0.50 cents for the t-shirt, $15 total. That's a nice way of breaking it down. Be there. That, that's right. We're, we're worth 50 Buy we're about tickets 50 cents. today. Yeah, yeah, and you need to buy tickets because there's going to be a cutoff. About the first or second week in January, it's gonna there's gonna start being a cutoff. And tell your friends there. buy them as a Christmas present. It's the greatest stocking stuffer. <laughs> yep, you just print the ticket, stick it in there, and be like, hey, you're gonna get to be a part of uh, uh, in history. Invite your mom. Say that, and then I realize. Invite your dad. Invite your brother. Your sister. Are your grandparents gonna be there? I don't know. 
Invite your grandparents, grandma, grandpa, if you're listening to this. Invite Ryan's grandparents. Did your mom buy a ticket yet? Uh, I don't know what she's going to. <laughs> mom, if you're listening to this, buy a ticket. Invite Ryan's mom. Somebody um, invite Ryan's mom. Basically, it's going to be us and my family. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, it's going to be amazing. Uh, be we, there or be square. You'll turn into a square. We got a fantastic email from a man named Johnny with an Johnny. H. Johnny. It's Johnny with an H. Okay, so it's not this Johnny that's sitting next to us. No, uh, Johnny with an H is from California, and he emailed us to basically just say, uh, you know, that he found our podcast because he was trying to find some podcasts that talked about, you know, faith and and, and religion. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, I absolutely love what you guys are doing and what you guys represent. And uh, proceeded to ask us... Um, He wants to be involved in Christianity. He wants to learn. He says, I want to grow my faith and I want to grow as a person. I just don't exactly know where to start. I was hoping that if possible, I may get some pointers and some sense of direction so that I can embark on this journey. There is so much to ask, but I also do not know what to ask. I really hope to hear back from y'all. So basically what Johnny is saying is he's new to religion. He's been studying... um, all sorts of different religions, and he's he's kind of landed on Christianity. This is what he's really leaning towards, but he, he wants to know what does that look like, mm-hmm. practically speaking. Um, and so we're kind of going to be uh, talking about, you know, first steps for new believers, or even for people that are kind of on the edge. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's really important. I think sometimes, uh, you know, with a lot, especially... Uh, like evangelistic events where it's all about like getting people to raise their hand or sign a decision card. You know, people, oh, they get saved or they think they get saved and then They're there's like, no follow-up. Yeah. So, like, what what next, you know? Yeah. Um, did you re- ever respond to his email? I, I did. So, okay, we, okay, so okay. just so you know, uh, listeners, we responded to Johnny with an H's email basically um, giving him some some churches in, the, in his area that he mm-hmm. could potentially visit. Now... We're simply going based off their statement of faith and, and things like that because uh, we can't go visit these churches ourselves. But just based on their websites and, and what they put out there, like what seems like some solid options to try, and some recommended books, which we'll talk about later, some websites and uh, some other podcasts and videos out there. Uh, we'll go over all those resources, but really let's talk about some practical steps for a new believer. The first one, and the most obvious one, the one that we was kind of our first thing to go over was getting plugged into a church. Absolutely. So, uh, what what is the significance of the church? Um, what should people who are maybe new to Christianity expect? Um, what should they watch out for? Maybe try to kind of avoid Carl Lentz. Um, uh, no, but seriously, I mean, what, what, yeah. what's what's the purpose of the well, church? I have one thing that I would add, like right away, like. One thing you you, you want to do going in at the outset, especially since you're you're framing this with like I'm curious, I have questions. Make sure at the beginning because a lot of times what happens is you have a new believer and they're like really excited about church, and then church becomes so much the focus, so much all, all of a sudden their hope starts to shift from Christ to the church, mm-hmm. right? And and I believe in the church. You need to be involved in a church, but just be prepared to be disappointed by the church 
And I know wow. that. I know. I know that sounds <laughs> wow, bad. Wow, Johnny. I know that sounds bad, but it's going to set you up for longevity because the church is full of people, and as you know, people are broken, and there's going to be times where you're like, "What the heck? Why are people acting like this? Why?" Even in the, even in great churches, you're going to deal with difficult people. You're also going to build some of the best relationships of your life, and so I just would say like. When that ha- when you're disappointed, because it's gonna happen, it just is. Mm-hmm. You know that's true. Yeah, when that happens, you say, you know what? I'm here because Jesus died for these people. Jesus died for me. Jesus died so that the church could be a vehicle for for expanding his hope. And just don't throw. It's a cliche that I use a lot, but it's important one. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Um, there is a lot of good in the church. The church is is the bride of Christ, um, but it is full of imperfect people. And so, just go if you go in knowing that it, it just sort of eases the blow when you encounter difficult people, or maybe even in, not in mega churches. Sometimes leaders that you looked up to uh, will let you down. My dad tells a story of this youth pastor that had all this impact on his life, and, uh, and then he had an affair. You know, and, and some of that impact still stuck because it was rooted in Scripture. It was rooted in Christ. You know, it wasn't like he was going to throw all of that away. Um, but he also remembered, you know what, my hope's not, was never in pastor so-and-so, it was, it was in Jesus. And so I would just go into it being aware that church can be messy sometimes. Uh, and ironically, one of the first, this is a thing happened five or six years ago, the first atheist congregation, mm-hmm. um, I think it was in England, I'd have to look at the story, but basically uh, within a few weeks they had a church split, you know, because they were arguing over whether or not they should do like Led Zeppelin or something else. And they were like, you know what, we're going we're gonna to do classic rock at this one, and you guys... So, um, don't look at it and go, well, maybe there's... You know, if you, if you run into the disappointment, it's easy for a lot of people to say, look, organized religion, God is not a good God if he's real type of thing. And it's like, where people are, there's fallibility. Where there's fallibility, there are failures. We all have them. It's okay. The church is still the bride of Christ, and Christ is still using the church. Yeah, and I definitely want to second that because I would say I had a, a sort of crisis of faith, um, and you know, several several years back, and it's it's really what ultimately led to me truly surrendering my life to Christ. But the root of that was that growing up, my faith was in the church rather than being in God. So when I started to see people in the church and and, and situations in the church that didn't line up with scripture or God's character, it really shook, you know, my foundations. It got me really confused. Um, and I'll say since then, because I, I've kind of reoriented my faith where it needs, where, where it should be, um, it, it's helped me to uh, love the church and, and be committed to the church in spite of its flaws. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it, it just, it having that perspective going into it, it, it doesn't make those things... Um, uh, disappear. It just prepares you to to handle them better. Uh, Ryan, any thoughts? Well, that's that's all fantastic advice. I agree one hundred percent. One of the things that you'll you'll have you'll be asking yourself as you look for a church is how do I know what a good church is? Like, what are the marks of a good church? Because there are dependent on where you are in the world, there could be hundreds of churches around you. I know in Pinellas County there are dozens and dozens of churches. I feel like every street you turn down to, you can find at least two churches. And so I imagine that going to find a church to plug into could be quite intimidating for some people. 
So I guess we could we could talk about you know what what do we think are the marks of a good church? Um, and I'll start off by saying um, that the church actually preaches the gospel, um, the gospel that we find in scriptures uh, about Jesus and what he did for us. Uh, and and how can you know what a church teaches? Uh, luckily, we have the power of the internet. Uh, the internet's actually very useful for this. Many churches have websites. And whenever, I've done this several times, I've helped people find churches. Uh, and one of the first things that I do uh, when looking at churches in a specific area is I look at their websites. And what's on their website? And I particularly look at their statement of faith. What what uh, does their statement of faith say? And their statement of faith is it's, it's literally exactly what it sounds like. It's a document that explains what they believe about the core doctrines of the Bible. Uh, so finding a church is making sure to find one that actually preaches the truth. Um, and then also, I would say uh, that is a church is, that is regularly uh, partaking in the sacraments that is the Lord's Supper and baptism. Uh, one of the things, if you're a new believer, that you want to have done is you want to be baptized. Uh, that's what that's what new converts do into the Christian religion is they get baptized. Um, and so when you find a new church, you'll want to ask the pastor, hey, uh, could I be baptized? I'm a recent convert. Uh, and they'll love to baptize you. Uh, so find so find a church that, that does the sacraments, baptism, and also the Lord's Supper. And if you have any questions about that, we've had, I think we've had other podcast episodes on the Lord's Supper and baptism. Um, we sure have, and I can link those yeah. as well. It, and I would just, real quick, because I have it here, I had, you know, I had to memorize a bunch of stuff for my ordination to basically write out a statement of faith that was ecumenical, and, and, and that just means that, you know, it really would be, like, across denominations, we have these secondary things, you know, some people believe in the sprinkling baptism, and some people believe in the immersion, and all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Those are secondary things, but we, we both believe that baptism is important. We both believe in, you know, the, the, um, the inerrancy of God's word, and so here are some things that I think are kind of must-haves in a statement of faith, and I'll try to be brief with them. Um, and, and kind of simplifying, but these are kind of the must-haves, and then everything else, you know, you might have other questions about, but this is what you want to look for. One, um, that they believe that the Word of God is 100% divinely inspired, that they hold to the authority of Scripture for effectively living the Christian life, and that the, the Word of God is sufficient. That they believe in the triune Godhead, which is that, you know, God is one eternal, transcendent, omnipotent, personal God, but he exists in three persons. We do have an episode on this. There's no way to fully comprehend this concept, but it is important that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you might run into churches on your search that deny this idea. So you have to be on the lookout. Yeah, and we believe that it's it's essential to the faith. I mean, Jesus, before he he ascended to be at the right hand of God, you know, before he returns again, he said, like, it's important that I go away so that you can have the Holy Spirit. And he was constantly praying to God the Father. We, we really can't interact with God apart from this triune concept. Um, we are not uh, polytheists in the sense that we believe in multiple gods. We don't. Uh, it's one and three and three and one, and it's, it's complex and, 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 and beyond us, but that's why he's God and we're not. Um, so it, it is in Scripture, and it is important. Um, redemption, that we believe in the substitutionary and redemptive sacrifice of Jesus for the sin 
of the world that G that we deserve uh, the wages of sin is death um, but that the gift of God is the eternal life that through his literal physical death his burial and his literal resurrection uh, and followed by his bodily ascension into heaven that we can have redemption forgiveness of sins through this uh, that salvation from the eternal penalty of sin is solely uh, by the grace of God on the basis of the atoning uh, death and resurrection of Christ that one may only receive salvation through personal faith and in, in the work of Jesus Christ as far as the last things that you know you believe in the future personal and bodily return of Jesus Christ to earth uh, to purge sin to establish his eternal kingdom and to consummate and fulfill his purposes in the works of creation and redemption with eternal rewards and punishments um, uh, Satan, that we believe uh, in the existence of a personal malicious being called Satan, that he acts Sorry, as... I'm having trouble hearing. Apparently, well, you're just trying to call Satan. Wait a second. <laughs> I said Satan, and she uh, answered to that. That is scary. Um, uh, okay. Uh, he's a tempter. He's an accuser. Uh, baptism, that we believe in the practice of baptism as an outward expression of the inward decision to place one's faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, as well as taking communion to remember this, the sacrifice and suffering of Jesus Christ on the cross. And then, you know, that we participate in personal devotion, although that's not much of part of the statement of faith as it was part of this other thing I was working on. But um, those are some of the essential things that I think you need to look for in a statement of faith that shows, yeah, they're orthodox. Um, and, and then you can kind of go from there with those kind of the secondary yeah. things. And then also I would... I would add for what you know what is what is a mark of a good church is if they are actually like welcoming to you uh that's actually important that yeah. the church actually acts like a community that's part of uh, being a church is that you are a community of people uh that are in fellowship with one another so if you go to a church and it has great doctrine and great preaching but everybody's mean to you then i would say continue your search uh, because uh, part of being a, a part of a church is being plugged into that community not just taking the sacraments not just listening to some dude preach for 30 minutes but and not only you singing you know a few songs every Sunday morning uh, but that you actually have relationships with people so the church that you look for should be a relational church one that focuses on relationships with one another yeah, you may come across like a super solid statement of faith and you're like, man, this seems like legit and biblical or whatever. And then you get there and there's just no interaction. There's no small groups available. There's no, you know, that, and that that's a red flag. You, you, Ryan's absolutely right. You want to get in community. And I would say be prepared to get outside your comfort zone because it is very important that you have that community. And that may mean, you know, after a couple of Sundays saying, I'm going to take the plunge. I'm going to join a small group. And all of a sudden you're... You went from just sitting by yourself, you know, in a crowd to sitting in a, a smaller space with six or seven people, and now you need to get to know them. It's going to do wonders for your faith if you, if, you know, if they're solid. So I would uh, just encourage you to be prepared to, you know, to take steps that you would naturally take um, in terms of in inserting yourself into that community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's. That's all really good stuff because I think, you know, church can certainly become, in some settings, uh, more like you're just coming in to watch a show and uh, we, we really got to guard against that. So, mm -hmm. um, 
I'm also going to link, another episode I'm going to link is the episode we did on the Apostles' Creed. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I think, you know, Johnny mentioned some of the things that you want to look for in a statement of faith. We, we talk about the difference between, like, essential doctrines. Like, these are things that, if you don't believe these, you're not actually a Christian. Uh, and then the non-essential doctrines. Things that we may differ on, and that's okay. And none of us are really going to know until we get to heaven, so it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters. You should study these things, and you should know why you believe what you believe about them, but it's not like your brother or sister in Christ who believes differently is going to hell because they believe differently. Right. Um, really, what you need to be worried about is making sure that your church teaches the essential doctrines. Apostles' Creed is a great uh, litmus test for that because <laughs> uh, it talks about all of the essential doctrines of the faith. And and also I'd add the, the Nicene Creed yeah. because it's a little more detailed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we, we talk about that in another episode and, and I'm going to link that too if you want to go more in depth on some of this stuff. So obviously we spent a big chunk about this talking about the church, but the church isn't the only thing that a new believer should be focused on. It's a very important thing, mm-hmm. um, so it's fitting that it takes up a good chunk of our conversation, but what else should uh, a new believer be keeping in mind? So, I would say, after you find a good church, I already mentioned that you should seek to be baptized, and if you find a good church, you literally just go to the pastor and be like, hey, I want to be baptized, and that he'll, he, the pastor will talk you through that. But the next big thing I would, I would recommend doing is to find somebody who could disciple you, uh, to find, uh, or what some people might think of as, as a mentor, somebody who could mentor you, uh, in the Christian faith. Um, uh, so you need to find some kind of relationship that that's even deeper than just going to church on Sunday, uh, whether that be a, a small group or somebody who's committed to discipling you. Uh, we understand dis- uh, discipleship to be a journey uh, in which you seek to follow Christ more and more. Uh, so that's not a one-time thing. Once you become a Christian, it's not like, okay, I could do whatever I want. Actually, when you become a Christian, uh, you are submitting your life to Christ, and you seek every day to know and love him more. And that's a process, and you need help in that process. So when you find a good church, find people within that church that you could latch on to to help you in that process. You say, hey, I need somebody to disciple me. I need I need a mentor uh, so that I could I could I could uh, persevere in this and understand this journey better. And obviously, we believe in the sufficiency of the Bible. So you got to start cracking up, open your Bible, and having personal time with the Lord as well. And I think, um, and I know we've, we've talked about it recently, even on the show, um, the Bible Project. And I just think that that's a great resource for for new and old believers alike, but especially I think for new believers. They have their read scripture videos, which are basically overviews of, of the book. And so if you're, I encourage you to start in the Gospels. That's my personal uh, recommendation, but it, you don't have to start there. Uh, but if you open your Bible and start in the Gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But wherever you start, if, if you're starting in a book, I encourage you to watch the Bible Project overview. Um, I, I wish I had had that early in my Christian walk because... Um, You'll get to parts, especially in the Old Testament, that seem kind of like a drudgery. But if you have the context that those videos provide, and you're like, oh, that's why these five chapters are in here. That's It supports a grander narrative that leads to Jesus. Um, it makes the Bible that much more exciting. Um, so I think it's important to have context for what you're reading. And those videos are a great resource in the modern age.
Awesome. And along with that, I'd also re recommend not only having a Bible, but having a study Bible. And a study Bible is simply a Bible that has uh, uh, notes at the bottom that help it to explain verses that don't make sense. Where uh, the, the Bible Project overview videos will really help you understand the overarching theme of certain books and certain chapters. A study Bible will help you go in depth to, to specific verses that that might be confusing uh, for somebody. Um, so, And while I think the notes in this particular Bible I'm about to recommend, I think just barely scratch the surface, and maybe you could argue that some of the interpretation is like, well, there's more to it than that, or uh, it's still a helpful resource, especially for new believers, is the Life Application Bible. Um, I've used this before, and they, they have it in all the different versions, ESV, um, NIV, NLT, um, it, life application Bible is cool because it, it, it'll kind of take some verses and say, okay, well, this is how you apply it to your life. Um, the cool thing about Scripture is while I do believe there's one objective uh, hermeneutical interpretation of a given passage, oftentimes because it's Jewish meditation literature, a majority of it, a lot of times there's, there's a lot of, of applications that stem from that that you discover over time. So I don't think it's like, oh, this is the application of this verse. But it does get you close, and it is helpful so that you walk away, you know, from reading Leviticus and go, oh, okay. Yeah, and sometimes study Bibles can be expensive. So if you don't have the money right now to get one, um, there's a lot of great free resources online for studying. Bible Gateway, Blue Letter Bible, there's lots of free commentaries um, that you can find online um yeah. it, even logos bible software can get a little pricey but they have their fundamentals package for like 50 bucks which is around the price you're going to pay for a study bible too so if you want some sort of digital thing that's going to give you a bunch of commentaries and resources to start with um so those are all those are all options yeah. uh, what are some specific study bibles that you guys might recommend uh, i know ryan probably what you're going to say i have a reformation study bible so I was actually going to re recommend the ESV Study Bible. Okay. Um, even though I do recommend the Reformation Study Bible, uh, I, I own one. Um, I feel like the ESV Study Bible actually has more notes in it. Uh, I don't actually have that confirmed. I haven't looked at the numbers. But I, sometimes I'll be in my Reformation Study Bible, and it's it doesn't have notes for a specific verse that I, I want to understand better. So uh, the ESV will supplement that. The ESV Study Bible, uh, which I, I think is very good. Uh, and then the, also the Gospel Transformation Study Bible. I was just going to say that one, too. That's an amazing one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then if you really wanted to get in-depth, you could also buy or look at, whether free online or buy uh, commentaries, which commentaries are even more in-depth than study Bibles. Um, and these are actually written by, by usually a, a, a group of theologians uh, or somebody very particularly dedicated to a specific book of the Bible to write a whole commentary on it, uh, outlining anything you might want to know about that book of the Bible. Um, and so if you, might, you might get to a verse in the Bible and, and your study Bible is just not really helping or it's missing a note there, uh, a commentary will oftentimes also supplement that. But there's so many out there, I can't even begin to, uh, to, to give specific recommendations. You'll have to do a Google search. I believe uh, the Gospel Coalition, either the Gospel Coalition or Ligonier Ministries has an article where they outline the best five commentaries for every book in the Bible. Uh, so I'll have to find... find you know, it's been a while since I used it, but uh, 
so I didn't think of it right away, but I, I, the Gospel Transformation Bible would, is, is a really good one to start with, as you mm-hmm. mentioned. Like, it, it's a really good one um, because it's, it's in-depth, but it's, but it's also very practical, and it just relates uh, any verse, really, in, in the Bible, as it should, you know, back to the Gospel and, and just the idea of, of, of Jesus and His sacrifice, so it's good. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and then I think the other big thing is, is going to be prayer. Um, now, uh, prayer can be a, a, kind of a hard thing, especially at first, because sometimes it might feel like, oh, I'm just talking to a wall. What's the purpose of this? But prayer is literally conversation with God. Um, so it's not just us going and requesting a list of things that we need. It's actual conversation um, with God. And sometimes... Uh, fasting is a very important part of that as well because there can be times where it seems like maybe our prayer time isn't very fruitful and uh, we're, we're not getting um, much out of it. It may not feel like much of a conversation, um, but sometimes fasting from something, whether that be food, uh, our phone, whatever it might be, giving something up for a period of time, even over the course of just a few days, to really focus in on our prayer time and get rid of distractions um, can certainly uh, help um, kind of kind of hone in. Um, obviously, the Lord's Prayer kind of outlines some of the things that should be included in prayer. It's a time of, of thanksgiving. It is a time to make requests, but it's also a time to just really spend time with God. I think praying as you study the Bible, um, as you go about your day. Uh, now, we also have another episode on prayer that goes in-depth on uh, these things. So, you know, we're mentioning these things, we're hitting bullet points, but we also have episodes where we go deeper on all these things. All that's linked below. So, you guys have any thoughts you want to add about prayer? Yeah, I, um, when Mother Teresa was asked, you know, what she says in, in prayer, uh, she said, what, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, what do you say? And she was like, I listen. And, and I, I, there's a place for both, right? I just think that one is emphasized, all the words that we put before God, and the other is um, de-emphasized of just being um, in the presence of God. The psalmist describes this as being still and knowing um, that he is God. So there's just two things I think are very important. One, um, one of the best analogies I ever, um, ever heard for prayer, you know, the Bible says that we can cry out to God as Abba, which mean, like, it means daddy, it means father, you know, and so it's a very intimate, familial term. Um, and so I think of my daughter, it would be ridiculous for me if my because my daughter is becoming more verbal, right? If she started talking to me, and they got distracted for me to be like, hey, hey, come back and focus, finish your thought. You know, like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? It would be mean of me as a father of a two-year-old child to be constantly trying to redirect her. I'm just happy to be with her. I'm just delighted to be with her. And I really do believe that that's how uh, we can approach God in prayer. And I think people get turned off to prayer because they're like, I get distracted. I start thinking about the things I need to do. I get, you know, and then they just give up. Don't give up. God's delighted to be with you. God's delighted that you uh, came to enter into his presence. And so don't give up on prayer uh, simply because you have a distracted mind. Henry Nouwen says that prayer is the intentional, concentrated, and regular effort to make space for God. It's being unbusy in the presence of God instead of being busy. So there really is this um, idea of presence that is very important uh, when it comes to prayer. The best advice I could give you on prayer is, in the, immor- in the immortal words of Shia LaBeouf, 
to just do it. Right. Uh, and uh, so you don't need you don't need to overthink it. Just just pray. You know, and just it's it's having a conversation with God and. Uh, it's a it's a discipline as well. It's what we call it's what we would call a spiritual discipline. It's it's not easy to focus your mind on these things, but you discipline yourself to do it. As you do it more often, you 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 delight in it more, uh, and you become more focused. Uh, so just do it. You know. Awesome. Um, I think those are some of the 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 starting points. You know, I mean that's that's a. That's a foundation. Uh, certainly doesn't cover everything, but if if I'm meeting somebody who is interested in what it means to be a Christian, or, or they've made that decision and they're trying to do what's next, those are kind of first steps. Um, anything else y'all want to add? Pray, read your Bible, go to church. If you have any questions, send them to Theology Thursday. Yeah, if you have <laughs> questions on the way, send them to us. Um, but I encourage you, as you get plugged into your church, Ask your pastor, too. Don't just ask us. Uh, we, we like talking about these things, but uh, ask your pastor, ask other uh, Christian friends that you have, people in the church. Have these conversations with the people that you're doing life with. Um, and, you know, maybe share that episode with them and talk about the episode. You know, don't... Never... I, this this episode's not a, a one-stop for any of these topics. It's... it's it, more than anything, it's a starting point for these topics. We kind of give a crash course. We talk about maybe where we stand and why we stand there. But we give resources for a reason. So look in the episode notes because we're giving you uh, at practical action steps you can take to dig deeper on all this stuff uh, for yourself. And always test what we say and test what your pastor says by the scripture. And, and make sure that you're, you're doing the steps to properly interpret that and, and, and make sure that it's all lining up uh, with the word of God. Those are uh, those are just important things to remember along the way. So again, don't forget to get your tickets for Theology Thursday 100. If you have questions, you send them to us at theologythursdaypodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. Ryan, go ahead. Yahit. Yeah,